episode number 23. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor Gura. Welcome back, my dear listeners. I am so glad that you are here with me today. I look forward to sharing with you a really important consideration. Loving somebody as a whole. It's so, so important. But before we get into that story, I just want to let you know that I am in the midst of leading a five-day free Getting Unstuck Challenge. And it's going so great. People from around the world have signed up and are taking on this challenge. One day at a time, we are working on breaking apart our stories. I am including myself, by the way, in this challenge. And taking responsibility for our emotions and the responses that we have in our lives. I've been going live every day on Facebook And it is on my page, the Stuck Method page. So even if you didn't sign up for the challenge, you can still head over to the page and watch the recorded videos and you can work through your own story at your own pace. Remember, getting unstuck is not a one-shot deal. It is something that we practice every single day. And the more that we practice it, the more we will notice and bring a sense of emotional well-being in our lives. Secondly, if you listened to episode number 22, you will know that I am offering a retreat here in Israel at the end of October. Registration is now open, and already two of the 15 rooms that I have available are booked So it's very exciting. If you live in Israel, please check it out. It is on my website. And finally, instead of offering you an iTunes review today, I wanted to share with you a recent podcast episode that I listened to. As you may or may not know, I love podcasts. I really, really do. I listen to them on my daily walks and when I do the dishes and the laundry And sometimes even when I'm driving, I just really, really love them. So one of the podcasts that I subscribe to is called The Good Life Project with Jonathan Fields. Jonathan offers in-depth and deeply inspiring conversations with people who have really interesting stories to share. And really what it all comes down to is really what the title of the show is, How to Have a Good Life. Anyway, I was listening the other day to the episode with Mark, I think you say his last name is Lukach or Lukach. Anyway, this guy has such a story to share, and I highly recommend that you check it out. Mark is a teacher. He's actually the dean of a school, I believe out in California, And he's the author of the book, it's a memoir, called My Lovely Wife in the Psych Ward. 
I don't want to share too much in case you plan on checking out the podcast episode or the book. But basically, it's a story about how soon after getting married, Mark came home to find his lovely wife living in a radically different world, a state that he now knows to be deep psychosis. And what I loved about this podcast episode was was actually two things. One, that mental illness is pervasive in our society, and yet it is so stigmatized. And what Mark has done by sharing his story and in writing his book is he makes people feel not alone. And he really provides hope for people who are going through something similar to this. But the other reason I really liked this episode is because while he didn't use the stuck method necessarily, I really feel like Mark went through the steps to get unstuck from this really, really scary and difficult life situation, which of course, it wasn't a one-stop deal, right? It never is. But it's something he is doing on a daily basis in order to maintain and preserve their relationship. It's really powerful, my friends. I won't say more, but again, if you're interested, you can go check out the podcast, The Good Life Project, and it also is a website. Okay, so for today's story, which will be a nice segue into next week's episode, which is going to be on considering apologizing. Anyway, so last week, my husband invited me to a henna party. I wasn't really sure what that was going to be about, because I've never been to a henna party before. But apparently, one of my husband's subcontractors, who is Muslim, invited us to this pre-wedding ceremony of his daughter, who was going to be married just a few days later. Apparently, it's this Arab tradition. And anyway, I was happy to go. I was actually really interested to go because it would have been my first time going to such an event. And... I was totally unfamiliar with it, and I actually love learning new things and new foods and seeing new cultures, and I was just really excited to go. So we left the house around seven, and the beginning was really nice. We arrived at this beautiful, beautiful social hall, and we were greeted at the door by the family and the extended family. And if you don't know, the Muslims have a tradition of greeting each other with three kisses on the right cheek, on the left cheek, and on the right cheek again. It's very heartwarming. And even if you are not Muslim and it's not part of your culture, if you are greeted by a Muslim, that's what they will do. So you should (laughs) just know how to respond. Anyway, so once we made it past the entrance, we sat down at the table that was assigned to us. And there were tons of salads on the table, tons, like very much in the tradition of Israel, hummus and tahini and pita bread and carrot salad and mushroom salad, eggplant salad, spicy tomato salad, lots of different cheeses, a basil, tomato, cashew salad, and so much more. And we started eating. 
And then soon we noticed some of the women getting up and they started to dance with the soon-to-be bride. It was really festive. There were tons of people. I would guess like maybe 250 people at least, maybe 300. And the music was Middle Eastern and it was getting louder like by the moment. Like when we sat down at the beginning to eat, it was just kind of in the background But once people started to get up and dance, it started to get really loud, like so loud that my husband couldn't hear anything I was saying, even though I was screaming and I was right next to him screaming in his ear. He couldn't hear me. Okay, so try to picture this scene. You're sitting at this table at this pre-wedding ceremony, you're trying to eat and maybe watch the people that are dancing. And it is so loud, you just want to kind of cover your ears because of the noise. It was really, really uncomfortable. Well, at least for me, it was. And if you don't know me by now, I am not a loud person. I like quiet. I like my house quiet. I like my community quiet. I just like quiet. I'm not a loud person. And I started to get uncomfortable with the level of the noise. And then I smelled someone smoking a cigarette. And I turned my head and the man at the next table was lighting up. And I couldn't believe it because aren't there laws in Israel about smoking indoors? Of course there are. I know for a fact that there are. So how could that be happening? And within the next half hour, it seemed like everybody in the social hall was smoking. It was awful, 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 at least if you're someone like me who can't stand the smell of smoke. Ugh. So I was really suffering at that moment. And I decided just to step outside to the hallway for a bit to get some fresh air and relieve my ears. But, you know, I thought to myself, how long can I stand out here, you know? So I came back to the table, and I asked my husband when he wanted to leave. So remember, we got there around seven, and oh, this was a weeknight, this was like a Tuesday. And when I asked my husband when he thought he wanted to go, it was already around 9.20, which is like my bedtime. I know. (laughs) Don't laugh. So I was really tired. I'm up at like five o'clock every morning doing my morning meditation and yoga. So 920 is really late for me. And I knew my husband was tired, both because he was yawning. And because he also wakes up early each day, even before me to exercise. But how did he respond? They're not done serving the food. The meat comes next. I was like, really? Really? That's your response? This is, I'm thinking to myself, we just ate enough salads for the year. I am totally stuffed. And you want to stay and suffer with the noise and the smoke because they're not done serving the food? Ugh, so annoying. So disappointing. I started to get myself unstuck. I closed my eyes, I took a breath, and I quickly considered that my husband loves meat and I don't cook meat at home. But you know what? 
I just, I couldn't get myself unstuck in that moment. It was just too loud. And maybe I just didn't want to get unstuck, to be honest. So I got up again, and I went outside again. And then I came back in again. It was so obvious that I was not a happy camper. But my husband didn't make a move to say, let's go. He just kept looking around to see when our table was going to be served that meat. And while he was doing that, I was focusing on my breath, allowing myself to feel the disappointment, trying to uncover my thoughts and come up with considerations. But again, in that moment, I just, I just wanted to stay stuck. I was so upset. And you know what? Sometimes that happens. And then finally, finally, after sitting, after suffering for at least another, I don't know, like 20 minutes, we were served. My husband ate the piece of chicken that was on his plate, the cup of rice or whatever else was on there. I didn't even look. I was not interested. And then he turned to me all smiley, all, you know, obviously satisfied. And he goes, you want to go? I'm like, really? Like, is that a rhetorical question? You obviously know that I want to go, right? I didn't say that, but that was in my head. I didn't answer. I didn't have to. I just got up. I said my goodbyes and my best wishes, and I headed to the door. And honestly, I almost found myself rushing back to the bride to give her some, you know, last minute marriage tips. (laughs) But no, I didn't do that. I was really upset. I actually got in the car and I cried on the way home. I know it's pathetic, but I did. And then I really caught myself. And it was then in that moment that I found myself really feeling kind of pathetic about the situation that I said to myself, Shira, get yourself unstuck. So I S stopped. I started focusing again on my breath and immediately I felt my heart rate slow down and my tears start to stop. I T, I told myself I was stuck on disappointment, both with my husband and with myself. And I took a moment and I said, Shira, where do you feel that disappointment? Where can you feel that emotion in your body? And I felt it like in the heart area. And I allowed myself just to stay with that for a few minutes. And then I, you, uncovered my thoughts. I said to myself, I believe my husband chooses meat over me. Is that 100% correct, Shira? No, it's not. Of course it's not. I said, I believe I have no clue why my husband gets so excited about eating meat. And I asked myself, is that 100% true? Are you really, you really don't know why he gets excited? No, of course. And then I said, no, I know why he gets excited. He gets excited because I don't, he likes meat and I don't cook it in the house. So it's an opportunity for him to eat it. I told myself, I believe my husband doesn't care about me, but okay, I dismissed that pretty quickly because I know he does. So, see, I considered that my husband invited me to this event. And I know that sounds ridiculous. Of course, why wouldn't he? But when I looked around that social hall, I noticed many, many men 
who I know are married, came without their wives. Okay, so I don't know why, but my husband invited me. He wanted me to be with him. And I considered sometimes I disappoint my husband. I know I do. I'm not perfect and neither is he. I considered he loves meat. (laughs) And I don't really need to understand why. I mean, again, it's kind of easy to understand why because we're vegetarians in the house and his body probably misses it and it's an opportunity for him to eat it and I'm not cooking it and he doesn't have to clean the dishes. And I considered I could have just let him enjoy his meat and I could have sat outside patiently for him, I guess, without being sad or without being disappointed. I mean, how often do we go to things like this a year, like once a year, twice a year, So what would have been such a big deal if I would have sat outside for a few minutes while he was eating? Remember, I have a few more considerations to list, but remember when we come up with these considerations, it doesn't have to be something that you're necessarily taking on. You're just practicing to expand your mind to see what is possible, okay? So it is possible that I could have just sat outside patiently and waited for him. Like that could have, that's a consideration, right? I also considered that we left before dessert was served. And that's a pretty big thing for my husband because he loves dessert. And I considered if I really wanted to go, like if it was that important to me, I could have communicated that to him. And I know he would have honored it. I really know he would have honored it. And I didn't do that. I also considered the next time not going. I mean, if I know what the event is going to be about, all this noise and all the smoke, maybe I considered just I won't go next time. And maybe, by the way, that's why I didn't see many of the wives there. Maybe it's something that they just don't enjoy. And... In that same kind of idea, I also considered that next time I could bring a book with me. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I could, you know, if I'm sitting out there anyway all by myself, I I could bring a book and read a book while he's inside enjoying his meat. I could be outside enjoying my book. And finally, I told myself that I can consider loving my husband as a whole. The husband who loves meat and will stay the extra time at an event to eat it, and the husband who would leave it if I told him it was time to go, right? The husband who invites me to such events, and the husband who also takes vacations on his own, like I do sometimes. The husband who works hard, who makes an honest living, who's a great father, who doesn't hold grudges, who hardly gets stuck, and when he does, he gets unstuck quite quickly. Because really, when you think about it, don't you want people in your life to love you as a whole? I mean, you, my dear listener, are not perfect, just like I am not perfect, right? So don't you want people to accept your limitations, cut you some slack, give you the benefit of the doubt? Of course you do. And that's what I did. Even before we got home, I was already in a different place, and I, K, I told myself it was okay that I got stuck on disappointment in the first place, and I felt so much better. 
I mean, it could have turned into an ugly night, but it didn't. Take a moment now and think about a recent situation that you were in with a close friend or someone that you love where you were disappointed in their behavior. Can you consider loving that person as a whole? That is, remembering the good that person does or has done for you, recognizing that that person is not perfect, just like you're not perfect. Can you consider that? Okay, so remember, the challenge is going on right now. You can head over to my Facebook page, The Stuck Method, and watch the recorded videos if you haven't already signed up. And if this episode on considering to love someone as a whole made an impact on you, if it made sense to you, if you feel like you might make a change in your life today because of this episode, please consider sharing it with someone that you know or someone that you love and help me, help all of us in the world get unstuck one day at a time. Thank you so much for doing me that favor. It really means the world to me. And thank you for tuning in today. And as always, I look forward to getting unstuck with you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.thestuckmethod.com.